Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Get Cultured Podcast. If it is your first time joining us, then thank you so much for tuning in. I'm very happy to have you here and I hope you enjoy the content. And of course, welcome to the Get Cultured family. So this week I had the pleasure of sitting down and chatting with Davion Toko. And for those of you who know her or know of her story, then you'll know that Davion is a very powerful soul. And even though I know that her experiences or her illnesses that she fights on a day-to-day basis may not define who she is because she's much more than that hashtag made for more (laughs) i still believe that for those of you who may not be familiar with her story it's important that you get a bit of background on where davian is evolving from so that you can fully immerse yourself into this week's episode so davian is a warrior that's the best word i can use to describe her Uh, She is a survivor of sexual abuse that plagued her childhood years. She's a survivor of bullying. She is a survivor of endometriosis. And she's also had very candid discussions on her Instagram about her day-to-day battle with fibromyalgia and chronic fatigue syndrome. So Davion is really finding strength and power in being vulnerable and she's using her platform to share her story with other persons in the hopes that they too will embrace their own stories and be inspired to share their stories with the world as well because Davion believes that we weren't just put on this earth to struggle or get by but in being your authentic self embracing your story sharing yourself with the world you'll realize that you're actually very special and you're made for more and you're here to thrive so that's really what Davion is all about I love it. I love her story. I love her. So I just really wanted to have her on the podcast so that she could share a bit more of her story with you guys. As always, guys, thank you so much for watching the episode. And before we jump into it, please take the time now to hit the like button, subscribe to the channel if you love the content and share it with your friends, tweet it out, put it in your WhatsApp groups, take a snap on IG stories and tag us at GetCultureJA so that we can know that you're listening and watching and that you love the content. So we're trying to get the word out there. So Thank you so much for watching and listening and I hope you enjoy the episode. Thank you for joining me again, Davian. For sure. <laughs> okay, so fun fact, guys. I actually started this podcast like a year ago, was it? Or maybe a little more. more. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> it was audio only. We did it in this room. Davian was my first guest yeah. because I was at the time and still am moved by her Made for More movement and just her story. Yeah. And the technology failed me and I lost the audio. So now this is take two. Hey. And I get to do it bigger and better. You get to see Davian live and in action. <laughs> so yeah, let's get into it then. Yeah. All right. So you have a really inspiring story. I was telling you earlier that mm-hmm. um, while my friend was doing my makeup, mm-hmm. <laughs> I was rereading one of your articles that you did with the Observer for All Women. Yeah. And just going through your entire story, I just kept saying, wow, like, oh my gosh, (laughs) you're a strong person. And she's like, what are you reading? And then I was like, Davian's story. So Um, where did you find that strength? um, I believe we're all, not to sound like all technical and philosophical, but I honestly believe that we're all made that way with that sort of inner power. It's given to us at birth. Uh, And I read recently that it's, it's very critical to our survival, just like breathing, being able to, you know, access that inner power, not to search for it because it's already there, but to access it. Um, mm-hmm. Because for me, it was always literally pushing past 
each struggle. And sometimes I didn't think about it like that, especially at six, seven, eight years old. Mm -hmm. It was just understanding as a human being with a brain um, that functions in, in terms of you can't be too anxious for long. You can't be you just can't survive like that. Mm-hmm. And so you have to find a way to to feel better, to be better. Um, and so that's why I said inner power because I just kept going because I had to. I just, I, I'm not going to leave this earth anytime soon. I hope not. Mm-hmm. And, and the once I'm here, I have to try. Um, and with each thing, it gets, I don't know if it gets easier, mm-hmm. but once you learn one lesson, it's right onto another and you're learning lessons until you go. I don't think we're ever like, we'll ever fulfill all our lessons, but all those things that you would say, you know, you're strong for, there are lessons, even the most hard, the harshest of all of them, Mm -hmm. you know, there are lessons. So, okay. So you could have kept this to yourself right you could have been a strong person you could have gone throughout your life nobody had to know about you or what you were going through outside of you know your personal circle yeah so what made you decide to take this to social media to build that platform um i i don't know if i actually thought about it in terms of not thought about it but said to myself okay i'm gonna build a platform Mm -hmm. What I recognized is that when I started on social media, I remember having like nine posts and 45 followers. And then I don't know, just being engaged in different things brought it to a certain point. And then I looked at it and I realized when I got to 10,000 people, I was like, how did this happen? I feel like my paid (laughs) run were leaving me because I did not intend for this to happen. I was Mm -hmm. just posting doing little things, doing things here and there and not realizing that it was actually actually making an impact. So I said, well, clearly the universe is telling me something. I mean, you're authentic, so it shows that people like are drawn to yeah, authenticity. That, which I really appreciate and that's very, very good, um, especially in our very fast-moving, very based-on-image type of society mm-hmm. to honor somebody who tries to be themselves as best as possible is amazing. But when I got to 10,000, I thought, well, okay, this is, there must be a reason that all these people, because that's 10,000 human beings choosing to follow me, to listen to what I'm saying and and look at my pictures. There must be a reason they're all here. So I should make use of it. Uh, And then I realized, okay, that's, that's when I realized, okay, I have a platform, you know, Mm -hmm. to, I decided to speak about it or the different things that I've endured because I, I've never believed that I was here for myself. Ever since I've known myself, I've always been the type of person to say, hey, are you okay? You know, like checking on people, um, try to provide some kind of encouragement. My daddy will tell you the first time he bought a car was when I challenged him to buy one and I was probably seven and he said he felt so bad when I, as, you know, because I, I critically asked him, why are we walking every day to the market and mm-hmm. wherever? Why, why are we walking? Can we, is it possible? And it wasn't out of judgment. It was simply out of a challenge. Um, and, and I, you know, other parents would ask me to speak with their kids type of thing. So I, I was always naturally inclined to sharing with people or asking questions that would be challenging and so that just I think transcended into 
um, sharing my story in that way. And mm-hmm. I grew up taking a lot of pictures. My dad and I, we did a, a lot of <laughs> photography. Uh, and so pictures were always my way of documenting things. Yeah. And so I just thought, all right, well, let me try this, see see how it goes. But what really sparked it was that people, while I was at UWE mm-hmm. and in various like leadership positions and in certain spaces, I started to realize how important it was to share your story and the power in that because you never know who you just unconsciously give permission to heal or to right. share themselves as well. And I mean, li- literally all of us on the planet, we're a unit, we're a collective and it's important that we share with each other because many people end up thinking they're going through things alone and don't end up surviving it. Yeah. And maybe if I just say something about my story, somebody sees me and thinks, oh, she had it easier, you know, mm-hmm. and I can show them otherwise that, you know, but it's, it's going to be okay. Then I think that that's, that's great energy to share and it, it, healing is necessary. So I just said, okay, let me. <laughs> and we jump into it, see how people respond. And man, the first, the, the outside of the talks that I did, the first time I actually spoke about something that was really, really deep to me yeah. was at New Wave, Big Up New Wave, mm-hmm. Lindsay and the team um, had invited me to speak. Um, it was concerning feminine energy and I believe all process. I okay. remember the exact topic. And I don't know. Something just said, share that part of your story. And that's when um, somebody, a friend of mine, Kimberly, came. She had came, come to support me. And she heard the story. She didn't know that certain things had to happen to me. And she said, no, man, no, man. She wrote for the Gleaner at the time. And that's where the story actually fully came out, like, countrywide. And then, you know, this was just... About- your abuse? Yeah. Okay. Um, and then Dick Rubin um, mm-hmm. and I did that visual project. It was like really my first visual project where mm-hmm. I really went into detail about just different things in my life and so many responses. Yeah, like, I remember that. that I, I've, I've actually <laughs> saved every message I've gotten. It's in my Google Drive just because of how important it was that moment and the things that were shared and how people responded to it consistently. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So let's go back to your upbringing for a bit. Mm-hmm. You said you're from Brownstown. My mom's yeah. side of the family is actually from there. Oh, okay. Yeah. Nice. Um, so you were saying that you said something that I related to in the article where you're always very outspoken as a child. Oh, mm-hmm. <laughs> and then, you know, you had the natural Jamaican response of, oh, you know, yeah, <laughs> or yeah. you're too, like, you just extra always want to be in everything. And then throughout high school, as you grew up, you kind of went into a shell. Mm-hmm. And that I, ha- I went through something similar. Only thing, it was like more from my family. I had a really strong personality growing up. Mm-hmm. But then um, my family or my parents would always be like, Lord, so I ask so much questions. Mm-hmm. Are you so annoying mm-hmm. or enough? I don't want to so I took it, obviously, like all a lot of children get that response mm-hmm. from like stressed out parents sometimes. Mm-hmm. But I think I took it a little more, I was a little more sensitive. Mm-hmm. So I took it as like, whoa, okay my family doesn't accept me that means the world won't mm-hmm. accept me so I grew up like incredibly shy yeah. <laughs> like I had serious social anxiety for like no reason mm-hmm. so I'm still like getting out of it mm-hmm. so I could relate to that mm-hmm. so how did you in high school I think you said you started to turn around in university mm-hmm. how mm-hmm. did you 
take the steps to start to find yourself again and care less about what people think about you? Um, I recognized, well, leaving the space after 18 years, leaving Brownstone, mm -hmm. not seeing the same people over and over again, it was, that was liberating in and of itself. I wanted to leave, not my family, but just that area because everybody is just gossip and not a lot of people were encouraging type of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, so leaving Brownstone was a big step that in and of itself was a step towards difference and just being different because i wanted to return to my natural state of being like you cannot hide from it yeah and if you ever think that you can you know curl up into a ball and hide from who you are it always finds you mm -hmm. that's who you are so if you love to chat and if you <laughs> love to sing and you love to dance or you like to paint or whatever it is and you feel like oh i'm not good enough for this so i'm just not gonna do it it's gonna, it's gonna be in your mind over and over like a worm, or it's, it's, you're just gonna be surrounded by it because it is what you are called to do. Mm -hmm. And so for me, just leaving was a big step, but also I wanted to just feel whole. Like I just, I wanted to feel again. I wasn't feeling anything, and it was just a very kind of morbid basic place to be um, yeah. and I'm not a basic person mm -hmm. so so the steps I took while at university um, my first year of university was really horrible I started in the sciences um, mm -hmm. and man if anybody knows anything about uh, what they call it now science and technology mm -hmm. that faculty it was pure and applied sciences at the time. Man, you need, you have to, literally, you have to apply yourself to any faculty. Mm -hmm. But when you go to pure and applied sciences, especially when you're not sure what you're doing, you're just doing it because it seems like, you know, coming from country, the sciences make mm -hmm. you smart. Mm -hmm. This is where the money is, that type of thing. So, so to speak, uh, that kind of opinion. So you follow popular opinion. Well, if you were like me, yeah. where I considered everybody's opinion, uh, but then after that year, I mean, that year, I went through so much anxiety to the point where, like, I was sick literally every month. And this is not something I've actually said, like, publicly, but every month since, so every month for my first semester of Pure and Applied Sciences, I had a reoccurring awful yeast infection because my immune system was just deteriorating because I wasn't eating. I'm stressing all the time. Mm -hmm. This is the first time I wait, I'm away from home, from just home, juggling yeah. the different responsibilities, responsibilities on top of the fact that I just didn't want to be doing the same thing that I was doing every day mm -hmm. because I wasn't interested in it. I had no interest. And I was just sick every month. It was so awful. Um, and that had just started with medication. I took some, I had... The sickness started in my throat, so I had some kind of inflammation. And the doctor prescribed something that he didn't tell me was going to cause that as a side effect. The yeast infection augmenting does that, by the way. Some people get it, <laughs> just in case you ever have to take augmenting. Mm -hmm. but, and so whatever reason I take that for, bam, take it. And it just wouldn't stop. And I remember um, I had to go back to the doctor one last night because I could barely walk. Um, and 
they had granted me leave from exams. Mm-hmm. But use policy with exams, there is a certain amount of time that you have to turn in the letter by, and mine was the day, bef- on the day before, and it was just chaotic. Okay. And man, anxiety that night. I think a friend had asked me, you know, so you're going to study or what? And I don't know, like, it was the first time I'd experienced something like that. Like, my eyes, I think... Was it, was it in that order? I believe it was in that order. I think, oh, I took something. So I got the leave, um, but I don't think they actually granted it. And I had gotten prescription drugs. I took them. These are medications I've taken before I remember in my history. Mm-hmm. And I had I started having this awful allergic reaction where I, and, and then I couldn't breathe. And I was like, what's going on? Um, so I went to the hospital mm-hmm. initially because when I get aller- bad allergies, I have to go in. And I, they nebulized me and some other stuff. I'm trying to make sure my memory is serving me correctly. But I remember going to the hospital and then I came out, got home, right? And then my friend asked me, so are you going to study or are you doing the exam? And that moment is like literally felt like the heaviest block dropped on my chest. <laughs> I could not breathe. My eyes started to feel like they were rolling into the back of my head. They were asking me my name. I couldn't. They, like my arms and my legs started to bend and contort, literally, like I was seizing. They thought I was having a seizure, and they brought me in. And um, when they took stock of it in the A and E at UA, it wasn't no seizing. I didn't know at the time what it was. I just knew I got a shot, and the shot made me very relaxed. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay. Essentially, what they had done was tranquilize me. Yeah, with the Valium or Valium. And the next morning I woke up, it started to happen again where I, I wouldn't be able to breathe and I, I wasn't talking and my body's stiffening. And my mom, who's a nurse, she does live here, I called her and she's like, man, I think you're allergic to you. I don't know what's going on. Something is wrong, you know. And it went at the, this, the, the, the manifestation of what was happening in my mind with my body was so bad that I had to go home and didn't do any exams. I went and did a CT scan because they weren't sure if something was physiologically wrong with my brain as to why my body was reacting that way. And when I went back to the doctor with the results, she said, hey, um, there's nothing wrong with your body. So It was all mental? She didn't say, I don't even remember her saying mental. I remember her prescribing drugs. Oh. And when I go, I don't, did I Google them? I don't know, but I recognized... After, like, literally, probably a, a few weeks ago, by watching a show, <laughs> I realized that what she had given me were like um, antidepressants or antipsychotics, oh. something like some one of the antis mm-hmm. um, that makes you really lethargic and slow because that's how I felt. And but I, I was relaxed because I remember one morning they brought me breakfast and like I started to feel it again, and my arms literally knocked over everything. And they had to take it from me and like rest me down and type of thing. So just after going through that repeatedly, I remember having to be taken out of a lab because it happened in a lab. Um, in one of, yeah, and my, one of my instructors took me to the hospital and I did blood tests and all of that. And that's when they sent me to a psychiatrist mm-hmm. and she told me I was having what is known as a conversion disorder where what's happening in my mind, in my psychological is affecting my physiological. So that is a real thing where if you are mentally stressed out 
and in a place where you don't feel like you're in control, where you cannot um, access your inner power, like you're having a leak or something and you just don't remember what's going on. You don't know what's happening to you. You have no tenacity, no zeal, no nothing. Um, You know, it, it can play out physically and make you very, very sick when you're not really actually sick. But if you can work on what's here, then it gets better. But mental is just, it's equally as important as physical, just to say. Mm -hmm. Uh, So after going through all those things for that entire year, I remember just when I went home and I was on the medications and all of that, I said, all right, cool. I'm going to go back, try second semester, never works out again. During that time, I had started psychology. And I think that was important because then I could, uh, I could understand what Mm -hmm. was happening to me in a deeper sense without having to pay for therapy in that moment. Cause it can be, you know, Mm -hmm. so that helped. So taking that step to sign up for a psych course that differentiated from the sciences I was doing at the time, um, that was a little of me taking back control. So for me, that was step one being able to recognize that I have control and that my opinions of myself are most important and what I believe I'm capable of is most important. Um, and then I took a step further, took it a step further. When I got back home after that year, I told my parents, I don't think this makes sense. This is just making me sick. I'm not, I'm going to switch faculties. I don't think I'm, you know, for the sciences. And I, I think I remember, my, I remember asking my dad, I was like, Daddy, like when I was little, did you ever see me like a lab coat or did you see me like talking and engaging mm-hmm. with people? And his answer just clarified it. He's like, no. It's like, yeah, man. Like I've always been that person, talkative, engaging with people in social spaces. That I, you know, that was always me. Leadership, development, people. That was always my thing. And for me, that wasn't coming from the sciences that was coming from somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I never really did any of the social sciences, uh, biochemistry type of thing was, you know, what I had studied, but I took the chance. So the thing is, what what we tend to do is we like to talk and, you know, like share your wisdom with me or share this with me. How did you do this? But then the fact is the doing part, that's the, the critical thing, that verb there, to do, the doing is most important. So for me, like getting up and having the, taking the courage and the control back to say to my parents, hey, I'm not doing this. That was important. You have to do it. And most times when you're so stressed out, you, you're not in tune with your essence. Like you, you, it's hard to be like, what am I doing? Like, and then it's easy to stay in that limbo, mm-hmm. you know, not the, the unknown because it's safe, because you can hide behind it. Yeah. But after a while, there, there comes a point, especially in adulthood, where you have to recognize that you can't stay there anymore. You have to know at some point. Mm-hmm. You have to be able to make the decision to do. And so the doing was, was important. And then um, the more I did things that allowed me to regain control was the more I did things I wanted to do. So it's like one victory, one small victory mm-hmm. leads you to another right and so i started social sciences now i said all right bam i know it's going to be rough to like go into exams because coming with the anxiety and all of that and failure from the whole first year i got like all f's the first year mm-hmm. i had to really resurrect myself my gpa was 0.4 it was nothing after my first year 
I'm sorry, I'm going to have to try this. And mm-hmm. I prayed a lot. I remember that. And, and I set boundaries. I told people, listen, don't ask me about exams. Don't ask me, don't, don't wish me good luck. <laughs> don't ask me about it after the exam. Mm-hmm. Whenever I exit the exam room, I'm not stopping to talk to any groups of people because I don't, I know my boundaries. I know that I'm going to get anxious. I'm not past the point yet where I can fully cope with it. Yeah. So I set it and I said, yo, nobody don't link me. Just give for the two three weeks of exams just mm-hmm. breeze me and you know it's no disrespect if you want to come if you want to check come in like sit for food sure because mm-hmm. you know sustenance but don't don't ask me about those the, the, the exam related things the personal things about studying and right. and i just went with that um which was also important in having control of you know my space and my situation mm-hmm. after the first semester my gpa was 4.0 um, nice. it's literally it literally flipped <laughs> and i'm after the effort my first year in society i made the faculty of social sciences honor society which is, top, which is the group of top 50 students mm-hmm. in social sciences and i was like wow i like that, that because once you kind of take that first step to start doing things yeah what you know you should be doing for yourself it's kind of like you get answers from the universe like mm-hmm. this is what you're supposed to and be that's doing. the only way you're going to get them mm-hmm. if you actually make an attempt the universe can only give us so much and no more like i'm not at a place where i realize all right the universe has really given me a good bit of people a lot of people that you know support me in terms of my following yeah that are interested so what am i going to do with it further you know what what more mm-hmm. is going to come because i feel like that foundation has been set but and so sometimes you have to do what you have to do to show the universe you're ready mm-hmm. for more and to level up and right. whatever you know all right so i'm going to actually use this to segue to one of our questions from the audience because after ue you went on to work with sajikor right yeah, yeah so one of the questions is actually why did you leave sajikor and what do you actually do as a career now okay i left sajikor for a few a few reasons uh it was a great experience in terms of building a foundation of knowledge uh to be honest sometimes no Knowing what I know now, I wish I'd stayed longer just to accumulate more knowledge within that space. So mm-hmm. at Sajikor, I was in group marketing. Uh, I managed the, the front end of the website. I was their website administrator. And then I was placed in PR, uh, public relations. I was also on the events team. Um, and Sajikor has many events. Mm-hmm. And I produced videos um, and digital for them for events. Okay, nice. Um, so that was awesome. Mm-hmm. But um, there came a point when it felt like it was becoming really monotonous, very routine, where every day I was kind of doing the same thing. And there were also challenges that I didn't understand how to, to interpret. So people would say to me, you know, you have to play the game. This is just, it's just a game. Like, you know, we come here, we do what we have to do and we leave um, mm-hmm. type of thing. And I just didn't understand the concept of playing the game. Why am I playing a game? Like I already, you know, I put in work to get here. I know I want to put in more work to learn, to, you know, to 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 make my way here. Um, I don't feel like I need to be, you know, two-stepping around mm-hmm. all sorts of stuff. But the truth is um, that's necessary. In any workspace. And I've learned that now. Um, some spaces are freer than others. Are more flexible. Um, but I left because it was getting 
really heavy for me. It didn't feel purpose-driven anymore. And that's what I'm driven by. Not money, but rather how I feel doing what I'm doing. And I wasn't feeling good anymore. Um, I love my VP to death. She's an awesome, awesome woman. I learned a lot from her. But at the same time, I couldn't learn as much because of the approach um, that was being taken. Um, And... That is something, as a lesson, I've had to learn uh, because, how would I put it? If, if you grew up being bullied, for example, and you have that anger or hurt towards that sort of thing, the universe, interestingly, is going to give you more opportunities with bullies to overcome that, Yeah. And even though we might not want to learn in those situations, those are the situations that will get us past that hurt because that's where it came from or, Mm -hmm. you know, it's familiar. And for you to move past that, you're going to keep encountering those type of people until you learn the lesson. So I could have stayed longer to learn more, Mm -hmm. but I wanted a different approach. I wanted also more flexibility to do public speaking Um, and to engage with people and so that's really why I left Um, I went through a really tough ordeal within that time so before I was thinking about it and then I went through a really difficult situation that I had to make certain decisions in and I recognized from making those decisions that if I can do that then I can leave Sajikor I don't need to stay in limbo anymore. And I had one of my bosses, Alicia White, had said to me, you know, my dad told me once that any decision you make in limbo is is a good decision because at least you've made the decision. Yeah. So just with that sort of encouragement and looking ahead, I was like, all right, then I'm going to go. So mm-hmm. I left. What do I do as a career now? Yes. Mm. <laughs> Still finding my way, guys. <laughs> but I've narrowed it. So... People tend to think that when you're good at multiple things, that makes you, that's cool. That's wow. It's actually really difficult because it's hard to choose where to go. And you will focus on this now, bam, then you move into this. Mm. Focus is divine power. And you can't, it's jack of all trades, master of none. Like we can't just say jack of all trades because that doesn't end the statement. It doesn't complete the dynamic. Yeah. And so uh, I've selected <laughs> um, my path uh, which what I discovered is that my life path is of a humanitarian purpose okay. I'm all about serving people um, and so I mean well at the same time I still have to make some money mm-hmm. so I do digital marketing um, I have one actual client one I'm working on now um, and I do it for myself because also I um, I make my way through my page as well. Right. So digital marketing, public speaking, and education. What I mean by education is in the realm of mentorship um, and something else I don't really want to talk about. <laughs> but yes, yeah, so digital marketing, public speaking, um, education. I, I actually want to go back to school to study psychology. Okay. Um, if you ask me, barring everything else, all resources whatever it is, what would I do? I would study clinical psychology and take it to the PhD level. That's what I wanted to do. My parents, even though if that switch was made, they were like, no, don't do psychology, do marketing. And so now I'm 
I'm going to pursue psychology. And that's yes. where I want to jump into with mm-hmm. education. I want to lecture. I want to, you know, be with groups of young people. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also believe that education mostly happens outside of the classroom, which is where mentorship comes in. Right. right. Um, so I'm working on some stuff. Um, but yeah, digital marketing, public speaking, education and events. Um, I love events. That's something I'm really passionate about. I love seeing the structures go up. I love seeing the lights. I love the sound. I love the beating of the speakers, like mm-hmm. people enjoying themselves. Um, so that's also something that I do. Not wouldn't say career wise, but it's something I love to do. Nice. Okay. Another question that we got from the audience mm-hmm. was... Uh, keep it quick okay so the first one i'll ask is uh, they wanted to know how what choosing happiness looks like for you like in your day-to-day life because of what you've been through mm-hmm. so this person was asking in terms of people always say you know happiness is a choice yeah but how do you actually that person is well good question Mm -hmm. and uh, happiness is definitely a choice because i mean when you're little bubbles make you excited (laughs) butterflies make everything every little thing because we're so curious and at that stage we are we are unscathed is the word i think um we are unaffected by anything happening around us. We don't care about anybody's opinions. We just do what we're doing. And that is the freest state that we'll ever really be in, you know, at that, that, that little stage. As a child, yeah. But then as we go through society and all its implications and ways of doing things and going about things affects all of us. Um, and so when we get to adulthood now or whatever stage, we just reckon that, hey, no, I'm in charge here. Um, Happiness becomes very deliberate, especially in adulthood where every day we're making decisions, um, whether it's relationships, uh, work, Mm -hmm. or for ourselves, everything. So for me, it deliberate looks like it's reading. Reading keeps me really centered. Um, I try to talk with myself a lot. Um, Prayer and like meditation, but that's like within me. So meditation, I read a lot. I just finished a book yesterday. Um, I have a partner who is really instrumental and really important to me. Um, so keep like choosing that person. Um, when I going through sickness and stuff really took a toll on me and I couldn't choose happiness at that point. Honestly, it was, it felt so difficult, but, and I, I left myself in a very victimized role, um, which I had worked my way out of. But like I said, the lessons keep coming and sometimes it thrusts you right back. And so, you know, I wasn't the best person. Um, Mm -hmm. But my partner kept choosing me. um, And so that is solace. That's That's dope. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, um, really dope. But... So just being deliberate with with what I know centers me um, and just trying to do it, just trying to do it. I mean, even though like you asked me that question and I feel a little anxiety because I know right now is an anxious kind of period for me. It's like a, a little anxious phase. But yeah, reading really helps. Meditating. I try to eat food that I actually like. It's really hard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but um, and laughing and just, just doing things that just make me feel like 
I'm worthy. Like mm-hmm. I have a purpose here. It's just the doing. I just do right. my best to choose the things that, that are good. I like that. And I like what you said about not being able to choose happiness at mm-hmm. some points. Because I also think it's important to note, guys, that your growth won't always be linear. It, you're going through something. You're healing from something. You're trying to better yourself. So there are going to be days where you just don't want to be yeah. here. You don't want to face it. Exactly. Um, I mean, which is I, why having a good support system for you, yeah, for example, is support important. system is, is really critical. Um, they said, the same book I just finished yesterday, they said that, um, I'm going to bring it. Um, so <laughs> like when, when you're having power leaks, it's important to have that they call they gave the name the support system a kind of name i can't remember but it helps you with your own powerful evolution mm-hmm. in your mind your spirit your body everything like those people who know your truth who know who you are who believe in you you need people like that around you who can talk you through it when you don't know mm-hmm. Because sometimes you won't know, yeah. you know, depending on what your circumstances are. Oh, you know, are. but sometimes you forget your truth. Right, that's what I mean. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You will forget based on, and it's a dance, mm-hmm. you know, consciousness versus forgetfulness. It, it all is, is like a dance. And sometimes the forgetfulness is necessary for you to like regain more strength, Right. Um, you know. But I really hope that all you listening have like a really solid support system because it's critical. And for people to understand who you are versus who you can be when things go wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, and you have to, we have to be open to other people too because we're capable of doing anything. So everybody, and everybody is, yeah. you know, so no judgment, no judgment. All right. I just want to say really quickly, there are a couple other questions, but David has to leave soon and I just want to quickly wrap up mm-hmm. here. So guys, if you have any more questions, you can feel free to comment them. I will shoot them at Davion so maybe she can mm-hmm. answer them at a later date. I mean, I can take two more if you want. You sure? Yeah. Okay. Well, I wanted to ask two more questions okay. too for like the shoe. Okay. So one that we got was, what was it like to put your story out there? Um, and raise money publicly for your surgery? Man, I don't know. I mean, I'm a chatterbox. I don't <laughs> mind sharing parts of my life, my personal mm-hmm. stuff, you know, but that one was hard because the thing is when you're sick, it puts you many times in a place of you lack control. You feel like you're losing control because you are your body is literally losing its own control um things inside you are changing you feel weak you it it takes a shot at your Mm self-esteem because this is not who you expected to be or who you who you who you are Mm -hmm. you know um so just like literally physically diminishes you it also psychologically does the same so be already feeling that way and then putting it out there to know get the money right aka beg the money you know it's like oh wow hell like i'm really in a state where i don't have control but that's one perspective Mm -hmm. the other perspective is that we're all here to help each other and when you are in need you have to ask um which is something i was not normally good at i normally internalize and handle it myself and when i'm ready to talk about it i talk about it Mm -hmm. and many times i push people away because of that, because I deal with it myself, um, I deal with things myself, and they wouldn't know what's going on with me, and it's just this push pull. So it's okay to be vulnerable. So yeah. so it's okay to be vulnerable, and I recognize that. I mean, 
I can't say that I was the smoothest fighter. <laughs> I definitely was not. I wasn't the most valiant all the time. Um, but you can tell but, that you inspired a lot of people. But I did, and, and that's the thing. Global. Hell, like, yeah. you take the chance and you put yourself out there and you just don't know mm-hmm. who you're going to liberate or who you're going to help, which is how we even started this conversation. Mm-hmm. So at first, it was a little weird and I was like, whoa, is anybody even going to help? Like, mm-hmm. I mean, I know people are good. There are good people out there, but I didn't expect the support that I got. It was amazing to me that I got that type of... Um, monetary support and emotional support from people who didn't even know me people many of them weren't even from jamaica and i was like whoa this is crazy um so i had to align myself with a better perspective in in order to get through it um the real perspective not the one that the little voice in my head was just spewing but the reality and that's also important guys to stay present it's it's a really difficult thing with the human condition because every we're based many times we based or we base our experiences now our current state let's take that again our current <laughs> state many times is based on our previous experiences and then what and those past experiences also kind of buffer how we think about the future that's how memories work um, but at the same time it, you we have to try to stay within the moment. And I lost many moments while I was sick because I couldn't be present, you know, mm-hmm. admittedly. But I had to try. And, and it, it was really encouraging, the support. Um, so, yeah, I just tried to stay present with it. Tried to just acknowledge that, man, people are just supporting. Um, and then the thing is, like I said, I don't normally have a, an issue putting things out there there. Mm -hmm. it's just that when you're in a certain space it's kind of hard because people also expect you to still be strong and sometimes you can't Mm -hmm. um but it was good it was good ultimately and i got the surgery done and thanks dr (laughs) house that's amazing okay so i'll just close out then uh yeah all right so the final question is i want to know what the impact is that you want to have on jamaica man and then mm-hmm. you can leave us with your final thought, like one okay. piece of advice that you want to share with our audience. Sweet. Mm-hmm. All right. I mean, I nationally, I want to impact so many people. Like when I think about it, it makes me really emotional because I don't like what's happening with the human nature of the country. The condition is really bad. Everybody just a push past everybody. Nobody care. Nobody, well, not nobody, but there many people just don't even have time to care. Like we're struggling so much. It's like we just have to care about me and my own, and that's it. And you have to protect your own, your protege. But um, at the same time, we have to look out for everybody else, which is also a part of his message. You know, mm-hmm. we have to look out for each other, and I don't really see that. Um, and I, I also worry about our uh, our teenage genera- or teenagers, that generation, yeah. and how how bombarded they are with everything that is social, Twitter, yeah. Instagram, everything. Mm-hmm. Everybody's telling them who they need to be and what they need to be doing and what they need to wear. And, you know, I mean, we came up as the age was unfolding, but now it's fully unfolded. Yeah. And it's just like, whoa, you know where where will 
their own individual thoughts come from. And so I, I, I know nationally, I definitely want to impact our young people, yeah. especially the teenagers, especially those transitioning to university, because I know what that time period can be like, the pressure can be like, um, the pressure to deliver for yourself, the expectations of others, you know, navigating all of that on top of all the social forces at work. So for me, nationally, I, I want to make an impact in every parish with every young person that, that is possible to reach. Um, I want people to know that regardless of their circumstances, regardless of where they're born or who they are, or you know, their parents, their history, um, whatever struggles they've met upon, all of those things were dynamically placed into their lives because those are their lessons. Mm-hmm. You have people, uh, I read a story recently about a woman who had moved to the United States and she grew up in like horrible poverty, but she was hell-bent on getting an education. And even if she had to walk over the drunk people on the floor, the high people on the floor, you know, she was going to school and she did and she kept going, she kept going. And now she runs a really lucrative business, I believe, there. But just her drive to keep going. Like, right. I, I want people to understand. That's why I say made for more. Because to be able to manifest the more, we have to go through some of those things. I mean, many times we like to focus on struggle. But the truth is the struggle is where the growth happens. And so I just, I just want young people to understand that and not feel completely deterred by it. You know, there's so many young people take, taking their own lives, getting to that point where they feel like it just does not make sense. And that's not the case. Maya Angelou would say, who are you? Who mm-hmm. are you to decide that your life is not of worth? Mm-hmm. Like she's, I think she, at that time she was probably 90 or 80 something. And she was like, I'm going to leave this world long before you under normal circumstances. Mm-hmm. So who are you to say that you can't take on the battle you know, that's what we're here for, mm-hmm. to leave this earth better than we came to it. Yeah. Um, you know, so that, that, point, that makes me emotional. Mm-hmm. But I want to have an international impact. Whenever I dream, that's what I dream about, like being on a stage with a lot of people, just engaging with them, just interacting, just sharing that kind of energy, like kind of like Yara Shahidi. Like she's oh, yeah, a big her, yeah. um, inspiration for me. That's, you should say that's why we do this work. You know, mm-hmm. we have we have to do it. It's important to make these changes. That's that's who, you know that's that's what it's about. Um, yeah. And so the final word, just going right into that, you are fabulously made for more. Mm-hmm. You are authentically made for more, and that just means that how you look, how you feel, how you speak, mm-hmm. outspoken, enough, extra, introverted, extroverted, whatever it is. You were meant and made that way because, you, first of all, you are the only one of your kind. You must know that. And so you were made within the fabric of this universe at a specific time, on a specific day, right, to manifest a certain purpose. And so no matter what you go through, that's your journey. No matter watch nobody else. Put on your blinkers. It's about you, and how you take your lessons and turn those into being more than you even thought you could ever be. And the inner power that we talk about is not something that you need to find. It is in you already. You were given it at birth. All you need to do is make sure you keep accessing it, right? 
no matter what them tell you, no matter what you even tell yourself on the worst of days. Mm -hmm. Surround yourself with people who genuinely love you, who you can be your authentic, honest self with, who can remind you that there's more to be done. You are, you are not the, the base of these circumstances. You are far more than them because you're going to learn from it and you're going to survive and you're going to thrive because we're not just here to survive. You understand? So, guys, just just tr do your best every day to access your power, to, to accept yourself for who you are, to take responsibility because what you do with your life, what you make of it is on you and we can't hide from it. Even if we say we don't know what we are doing them thing there. Yeah, man, that there's a time for that. But there's a time to take responsibility and own that power. Find the inspiration that we need to just press, you know. Mm -hmm. um, and I just want to say also that while I was sick to anybody that I have made uncomfortable or that I, you know, cause pain um, or dis and discomfort, I just want to say that I'm really sorry. Um, because it's something I also have to take responsibility for. And there will be days when you will hurt people and people will hurt you because of circumstances, but we have to take responsibility and we have to learn from them. Yeah, we're made for more. Mm -hmm. okay. <laughs> and with that, I don't have to say anything else. <laughs> she just left us with a word. So please listen to what she just said. And thank you guys for joining and I will see you guys next time. Bye bye, get cultured. <laughs> Okay guys, thank you so much for watching that episode. If you loved it, please hit the like button so that YouTube will know that you like our content and we'll show you more of it. Also subscribe and hit the notification bell so that you can get updates when we do upload new content. And finally, leave some love in the comments. Let me know where you're from, what your takeaways were from the episode, what you'd like to hear more of, who you'd like to see me interview. I'm here for you. So let me know, give me feedback. I'm open to it. Thank you for watching. Love you guys. See you next episode.